mini episode 1600 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1600. This is FDH managing partner Rick Morris here with you. And we have back our great crew for talking about baseball, the most regular crew that we have had for discussing baseball over the course of the last several years. That would be FDH Lounge dignitaries Ken Detweiler and Steve Callis. And as is our custom, our first baseball segment of the year, we've been doing this ever since 2018, sadly enough, when the previous winter, it was uh, right, right around the holidays, we lost our good friend and broadcast colleague, Don Coster. So ever since then, the first episode that we do of the year, mini-episode on baseball, is our tribute to him. So we always get in a few words about him, a few thoughts. And this time, I think we'll put a little more meat on the bones with the actual baseball discussion, because uh, I want to know what Ken thinks that uh, Don might have said about some of these things here. Because just to recap, again, uh, Ken was the uh, host back in the day at the old Sports Talk Network of Life's a Pitch with Ken Detweiler. And initially, his brother-in-law, Don Coster, was his uh, main sidekick. But uh, Don, even back then, was having some health issues. So I started to fill in from time to time. And then, of course, the best episodes that we ever did were the ones where the three of us were together. And so this is why we are doing this uh, in this whole kind of thing. First of all, because our best baseball discussions that we do by and large, are the ones that we do with Ken and with Steve, but also bringing Steve in to honor Don and to uh, have that other presence in here, uh, as would have been the case uh, if uh, Don were still around, just like it used to be back in the day. So, uh, Ken Detweiler, uh, always a pleasure here to have you on, and uh, we'll get into it with Don here in in a second as far as our thoughts on him and uh, how he factored into our lives and uh, just everything about the man. And I know you always look forward to talking about Don as much as I do. Yeah, but, you know, as the time goes on, um, and I miss Don, but uh, I think he's channeling me. I've turned into the crotchety old best, <laughs> um, and that's Don. And yeah. I'm like, you know, all of a sudden I'm just getting my uh, hair stands up, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, is he not going to leave me alone? <laughs> um, so, But, uh, yeah, so... That being said, that's why I'm heading guys at this age. Well, so what are you going to do? I look forward to hearing the ways that's going to manifest itself. And uh, Steve Callis, <laughs> again, this <laughs> is a thing where uh, you came into our lives after uh, life's a pitch back in the day, but in the old Sports Talk Network days as well here. So you never got to do any shows with Don, didn't get to uh, interact with him, but uh, I, I feel like every year when we talk about him, and uh, as uh, Ken just mentioned about you know, the, his, his amazing sort of crotchety manner on the air here, I just, you know, you, you couldn't coach that. It was just such a natural thing out of the guy. I mean, I like to feel 
like the way that we've described Don, it makes him seem real, even to the people who never uh, met him. And I always get that sense talking to you, which I'm grateful for. Well, I mean, you guys speak so highly of him. Obviously, it would have been a thrill to meet him. But And I'm certainly not here to replace him, but I'm happy to be here with you two because the three of us talking baseball, I love that because I love baseball and I love talking baseball. Yep, that's the commonality is uh, we get to do a great three-man show with you just like we did back in the day when Don and I were Ken's sidekicks back at Sports Talk Network. And for my thoughts on Don, I'm going to make it a little bit more general this year. And like I said, we are going to get into, and we talk about the rules changes and such, uh, I I would like to get uh, Ken to speculate on what some of Don's thoughts might have been at the time uh, if he were here to see this. But I'm going to be a little bit more general about Don because I've been very philosophical about this with uh, somebody, another old broadcast colleague that I did a lot of work with at the Sports Talk Network and subsequently became an FDH Lounge dignitary. He was a friend of mine a long time before that, uh, but uh, he just passed away suddenly back in December, uh, my good friend Dave Adams, and uh, he was somebody that uh, Ken met through me and uh, got into some fantasy baseball leagues with, and those two guys did a lot of coaching together, a lot of coaching of high school baseball, and uh, those two got to know each other, and I look at it kind of the same way with those two as with me and Don, of where we got to know each other because of baseball, because of a shared love of baseball, and it being something that brought us together. It brought Don and I together, it brought Ken and Dave together, And in both cases, uh, it brought a very valuable person into our lives because uh, Don was somebody that I always respected a lot for his perseverance through the adversity of his health. He was always just such a blast to be around, such a lot of fun to be with on and off the air. And uh, again, so that was uh, that branched out of my relationship with Ken was getting to know Don and uh, Ken and I were brought together through a love of baseball. That's how it happened. And again, uh, Davey and I had gone back a long, long, long time before Sports Talk Network, but uh, him and Ken bonded over a love of baseball. So uh, when I think of Don in this context with what I've been dealing with in my life the last couple of months and uh, trying to make sense of the loss of such a close personal friend, it just kind of brings me to those thoughts here of that uh, baseball can bring these people into your lives. I mean, there's a lot of other things, obviously, that can too. Uh, but uh, baseball is what we're talking about here today. And, and this is something that maybe we don't always think to talk about as much, is how the shared love of the game uh, can bring people like Don or people like Dave into your lives. And uh, for me, that happened with bringing Don into my life. For Ken, that happened with bringing Dave into his life. And uh, so that is something, uh, Ken, that you and I have in common. And I'm sure there have been other people as well that we got to uh, meet and know uh, through a shared love of baseball. It, it, it is something, like I said, I don't think we think about that enough, but you think about that at times like this. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I think when I hear Dave, and Dave, like I said, we were coaching together, and we had one of these games one time, and I'll just keep it short here, but uh, the kids were all on the bench, and we just had a hideous game, just hideous. And the, the kids were saying, where's Coach Adams at? And I said, geez, I don't know. And all of a sudden, we can't find him. He went AWOL on us. And then he comes back and says, I just couldn't take it anymore. I said, would you please let me know? <laughs> I said, I said, guys, they're looking for their coach, and, I, and I'm the only one left. And if I'd known, if I knew he was just as bad as you said, Dave. And uh, I said, I'm going to go on with you for a walk. You know, let these, let these buggers just hang out there for a while. 
think about how bad they're playing, you know. But it was it was memorable, and Dave and I always kidded about that because he just went MIA on us. Yeah. And it was like, okay, <laughs> guys, I don't have an answer for you, but if you find him, let me know, you know, if he comes back. So I can see it. Good. Yeah, yeah, you know him a lot longer than I do. Yeah, I can see it. Super competitive guy, and listen, in, in that competitiveness, it's not like he and I didn't bump heads a lot of times here too. And I'm glad that uh, you know that wasn't anything that uh, carried over to the very end. But there would be times, you know, we'd be talking crap on each other, you know, in our different fantasy leagues or this competition or that competition, and you know, again, just uh, again, like Don, uh, just one of those very very special people. And uh, I'm sure, Steve, this is something that you've had happen as well, too, whether it's uh, an obvious thing with people popping into your mind when I say this or not, but people coming into your life with a shared love of baseball. And, uh, you know, in this Don uh, Coster segment here, I do feel like that's the the, the thing that's foremost on my mind is is the example of that, of how the game can, can bring you together with people. Well, I'll be very brief on that, but the guy I would talk about who is not actually a friend but passed away many years ago is my father. Today happens to be his birthday, March 23rd, but he passed away when I was in high school, and he was a minor league player in the Yankee organization, a catcher for two years before he got called into World War II, and is to this day the smartest baseball guy I ever knew, and whatever I was as a baseball player, which I'll say was pretty good, D1 college. Yeah, Mazzelli for the parade grounds uh, hitting championship. He got drafted. I got nothing. But that's another story for another time. But my father was a tough, old-time, old-school. I wish you guys could meet him and know him. And he was Mr. Baseball. Everything else was secondary. He loved basketball and football. He loved football and hockey and basketball. But it was baseball by 20 miles. And we'd we'd go to 30 doubleheaders at Yankee. We'd go to a doubleheader at Yankee Stadium every time they had a doubleheader at Yankee Stadium. Sit in the bleachers for, you know, a buck 50 and just go for batting practice and stay the length of the game. So I'm glad you gave me a chance, Rick. I just wanted to mention my dad because he was born March 23rd, 1919. Unfortunately, passed away in 1970 of heart disease, very young age. And, uh, but to this day, and I met a lot of real good baseball guys. I've never had a conversation where I walked away and said, yeah, this guy knows more than my old man. But yeah. maybe I'm a little biased, but I wish you guys could have met him because he was Mr. Oh. Baseball in my life. Well, <laughs> you know, that's that's a thing, too. And that's that's how we feel about uh, Dave and Don. Wish you could have met them and, and gotten to know yeah. them. And this is one of the things. I always think it's the most apropos here. Uh, in this Don Coster tribute, that one of the greatest things that you can say about somebody is to compare them to other great people and talk about them in the same yeah. breath. So whether it be uh, Don or Dave or your father, I, I think this is yeah. this is such a fitting thing for all of them, is to kind of take them together as a whole and the kind of people that baseball can bring into your life and uh, that you get to know and appreciate the game you know, with these people. And so, yeah, I, I think that's very, very fitting uh, to, for us to talk about these different types of people. Because like I said, I, I was sort of going to a broader place this year thinking about Don and what my thoughts wanted to be uh, for this with, with the occasion of losing Dave not long before this. And it just the, the whole thing of what the, the game can bring into your life as far as the people you meet along the way. And uh, the, the one thing here, we, we generally sort of at the beginning do our sort of personal talk about Don and uh, then kind of segue into the, 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 the game itself for that year. We're doing our 2023 MLB 
preview here today. But what I'd like to start with, Ken, before we get to any of our thoughts on the rules changes, uh, there's a lot of radical rules changes this year in the game, be it the pitch clock, be it the limited pickoffs, be it the enlarged bases, be it the uh, elimination of the shift, at least in its most radical forms here. And these are all things I do think personally that will help the watchability of the game. And I'm just going to say personally uh, that as much as I'm a traditionalist, I don't like the way that the game has been nichified over the course of the last 20 years or so, and the fact that like nobody under a certain age seems to give two craps about it. So as far as the ability to reverse that and, and maybe make it accessible to, to younger people who don't have the attention spans that we do, uh, even though I'm a traditionalist, I would say I'm in favor of it. But Ken, before we even get to your thoughts on it, do you have any thoughts about how Don might have uh, approached this radical set of changes in the game? And keeping in mind that it comes on the heels of the unwatchability of the last couple of years that a lot of these analytics things have brought to the game with the uppercut swings and all the other things like that? Yeah, you know, lost, the lost angles and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, um, well, first of all, I think just to pile on quickly on what you just said, the worst sport of all the major sports in marketing has got to be year after year, decade after decade, baseball. Yes. They, they, don't, know how, they don't know how to get out of their own way or how to market these people at all. It's just horrible. But going back to your question, um, I think Don would have had a hard time with the pickoffs, number of pickoffs. Okay. And to me, that just bothers the tickets out of me. It's just go over there, and I would tell my players when I coached, I said, you know, when Mrs. Deltwater comes, she hates pickoffs, so I want you to throw them over there often. <laughs> and then, and because she doesn't, she goes there for me, and I don't right. need that. And, <laughs> and then she gets, then she gets to, you know, she doesn't care to come back anytime soon, and, and then we can talk about the game when I get home. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I would think the pickoffs would be something like that. I do like, and uh, you're asking me to speak for Don. Yeah. But I do like the clock. We we give all these pitches in 11.37 seconds. I know I've talked to you about that ad nauseum and how the human body does this and that in those, those seconds. Uh, so I'm a big fan of that. But the shift... I'm, I'm hoping we'll see. I guess it's a work in progress to see how these guys are um, playing regular baseball, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. um, and seeing uh, how these guys, you know, I, I just hated that shift. And I'm sure these guys, you know, we can say what we want about the major league players, be able to take it to the right field, be able to take it to the left field, go opposite way, bunt, and get a single. But that never came to fruition. I don't know where the where we missed it as far as that. But uh, some of these guys have batting averages were like their weights. Right. Uh, so, but that's, in a, in a nutshell, that was, that's what bothers me the most. Sure. I can understand that. That, uh, that definitely is something where it is going to uh, modify the, the game uh, strategically. And again, everybody's expecting just an explosion of stolen bases because of that and the increased base sizes here. Uh, Steve Callis, again, I know that you are an avowed traditionalist, so I'm guessing what some of your thoughts are, but uh, why, don't, why don't you enlighten us? Well, big picture, I'm not cool with any of this, but I'll just say this. I'd like to see games, regular games, 
We saw that exhibition game where in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and the bases loaded, a 3-2 count, and the guy thought he walked, and the umpire called him out for taking nine seconds instead of eight, or whatever the numbers are. I'm not even totally up on the rule. I will say six inches is a lot. I don't know if it's just three or six. I know the bases are bigger, but I don't know how much of that is in the field. Somebody else told me it was three inches. But every inch, how many bang-bang plays a year do we see at second? You know, plenty. And, you know, that is the one reason to have – a replay, I think. But here's here's my big gripe, and because the owners are so rich, you can't even take a family of four to a baseball game anymore. I mean, right. and if you go once, wow. you're never going back. I went to so many games when I was a kid; it was incredible. And my my dad worked in the post office. It's not like he had a lot of money. But I've said this for years, and I'll say it once more here: if you if you cut the commercials between half innings by one minute, one minute, and if you told me that was too much. 45 seconds or 30 seconds. But if you did one minute, every game would automatically be 17 minutes shorter with no rule change. And they're going to write up all year how it's eight minutes faster or 10 minutes faster or whatever it is. But you're telling people, in my opinion, to change the way the game is played for them. Now, you could have some ridiculous outside one. So, um, so you know, you couldn't step out of the box for 20 minutes and redo your gloves five times. Or even a pitcher on, you know, a pitcher on the mound who took uh, forever to pitch. But... Um, I generally don't want it to shift. You know, it's too bad you don't make players go the other way, like Ken was saying. But the shift, I've already seen one exhibition game where they played two outfielders and they moved their left field behind second, which apparently, you know, where the second baseman used to go out to short right field. I think that's legal. And if that is legal, there's going to be some guys who are still going to be hurt by the shift, I think. And I think we're going to wind up with a with a line from second base to the outfield because... If you're playing a shift, then your shortstop should be, for a lefty, your shortstop should be two inches <laughs> to the right of second base extended. Right. Um, and that will make a difference. I saw a lot of hits up the middle this year in spring training that I don't think will all be hits when the shift really takes place. Not because you can shift totally like you used to, but again, because you can put the second baseman over and the shortstop two inches as you're facing home to the right of second base. And I think that's what's going to happen Yep, and, and there's still going to be the modified shifts, of course, like you're saying. What you can do within the rules of you have to have such and such number of guys on this side of the field, such and such number on the other side of the field, so there will still be that. Before we get into anything with the regular season, a place that we weren't seeing the rules changes populated here was the WBC, which of course wrapped up earlier this week. A uh, real heartbreaker there that uh, Team USA, uh, Trey Turner, the new Captain America, doing his darndest to uh, carry the red, white, and blue across the finish line, but it was not to be. This is one of these things where, again, uh, the pitching staff, suffice it to say, did not match the strength of the, uh, the lineup. And that is something that they're going to have to look at uh, going on here with uh, all of the uh, best Team USA pitchers. I realize some of the best Team USA pitchers are very, very old, like Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, and uh, DeGrom is very uh, vulnerable also. So some of the best of the best you don't want to send for those reasons. I get it, but uh, USA needed to have better starting pitching in there. Uh, but uh, again, I'll uh, I'll start with you, Steve Callis. I know there's people that weren't as much uh, into the event as I was. I already know Ken's thoughts, and we'll get to those uh, in a minute here. But uh, your thoughts on the event here, and uh, if you're one of the uh, guys shaking his fist at the cloud about that this thing even exists, or if you were basically okay with it. Well, I'm not shaking my fist at it. I think it should be 
after the baseball season, not before. Agreed. Everybody saw what happened to Diaz. Yes. And yes. as bad as his injury is, at least if it happened in November instead of now, he'd play part of the following season. And I thought after Kendy Morales, like in 2010 or 11, whenever that is, when he broke his leg, jumping on home plate after he hit a game-winning homer for the Angels, I really thought that would end these things, but I am 100% wrong. And for me, I'll remember Diaz, and don't forget, uh, Jose Altuve broke his thumb, I think. He's out for like two months. Yeah. So you lose to, I'm not a Diaz guy, but last year he was sensational, got the biggest contract ever for a closer. Um, but I, that's what sticks out to me, although I will say the final at the Otani against Trout was classic, and Otani threw him such a nasty slider that even Mike Trout couldn't hit it. But I can't tell you I followed it game to game. I did follow the USA. But these are, I don't want to call them glorified exhibition games. I get, and I, and I get what happened to Diaz, right? Puerto Rico beat the Dominican, and that's, that's the World Series to those guys. We get that. Yep. But I'd like to see it after the season, and it's okay with me because I'd love to watch good baseball in November, and that's what you get. Yes, and that's when they used to do the barnstorming in Japan was, and I think it was October because uh, the yes. season didn't take as long. But yeah, no, I would, I would rather see it then. But it's a thing where, uh, in in terms of this, uh, again, when we're uh, taping this today, we don't know the outcome yet, but it didn't look good with uh, Rice Hoskins going down for the Phillies in spring training. So if anybody would like to sign my change.org position, uh, petition to uh, banish spring training so we don't have injuries there, maybe we could be consistent across the board and just uh, open up on opening day here. But uh, Ken Detweiler, I know that uh, you certainly are the guy uh, shaking his fist at the cloud about this thing even existing. Yeah, I I just didn't get into it all uh, this year, and I, and then I got even more disappointed for what you both had said. Diaz out, Otuve out, and it's like, you know, how does that sit with the other guys? You know, it's like this. this I, maybe it doesn't even bother. I don't know, but to me, it's like, geez, we're counting on you. We thought we would go the Mets. You know, they're supposed to be a contender yet again this year. Yeah. The Astros, man, re- returning the, you know, back-to-back championships maybe, was hurts. And I just like, was it really worth it all? And uh, so I don't know if there's anything going to come of this, if the, if the owners are going to get together and say, you know, maybe we ought to just think about this before we go do the next one. Well, I, I think uh, Cohen will probably just uh, scratch another check here uh, for, for the Mets and uh, probably end up with somebody there. So, you know, they'll, they'll take care of themselves, I think. But, yeah, I mean, I hear you. It's unfortunate to always lose anybody uh, whenever it happens, and it will affect uh, the shape, some of these things, the shape of the different uh, divisional races here this year. And uh, turning to that and, and just kind of taking like a 50,000-foot view of both leagues here, because again, as we were talking about off air, it's really just a matter with baseball, and this has really been the case for at least the last decade or so, of where there figures to be, at least on paper, a lot of continuity. When you're looking at maybe the wild card teams, you know, you could see where maybe there might be one or two or maybe even three different teams in both leagues, but I don't know if it'll even get to that much. Uh, in the American League, of course, uh, the East Division looks to be very, very loaded again. Uh, I've got Tampa Bay as the winner. By the way, 
on the fr- main page of FantasyDraftHelp.com, Fantasy Baseball Draftology 2023. It's got our predictions in there, as well as predictions for awards. And, oh, yes, also being a fantasy baseball guide, so go check that out. But uh, I've got Tampa winning the division, uh, Yankees and Toronto as wild cards. Uh, Baltimore, I think, is going to be in it. They might fall off a little bit, but Baltimore, I might be selling on them for this year, but I'm buying on them for the next several years. Uh, In the Central, uh, I I think it's going to be a close one between Cleveland and uh, the White Sox and maybe Minnesota. The West, of course, Houston is going to be Houston again. They're going to be up there, Altuve, for the whole year or not. You've got Seattle, which looms as at least a legitimate wildcard team here. Uh, The Angels hoping to finally let their two Porsches that they still have kind of drive them to the postseason for once. But uh, again, I don't see a whole lot of change in the shape here. Uh, in the American League, and so I'll start with you, uh, Ken. Thoughts on the AL and uh, anything you see possibly being different than last year? Well, my pick for the World Series, the White Sox. I'm not picking them this year. Me neither. Um, so, but yeah. I uh, I learned my I lesson. The Yankees. I got the Yankees winning the East. Uh, you know, this could be a homer call, but I, I think the Guardians are not going to take the Central. Agree. And that's not. That's not saying much, I guess. Right. The Astros are going to come back, and then you want me to pick the uh, wild card teams? Or sure, the, yeah, if you want to, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of anything. I can yeah, no, uh, who do you got? Um, in the wild cards, I've got the Blue Jays, the Mariners, and the Rangers. Okay. That's my uh, upset team. And then in the ALCS, i got the Yankees against the Mariners. Okay. And I'll hold off, and I'll hold off telling you, who uh, is going to win the World Series. Okay, all right. going to be in the World Series. I will say that my championship series in the American League, I have uh, Houston and Tampa Bay, because I have, uh, in the division series, I'll just skip to that part, Tampa Bay over Cleveland and Houston over the Yankees, which anytime it's Houston and the Yankees, I think we all know what the outcome is going to be. So uh, sorry about that, Steve Callis, but that is the way that it's played out. How do you see the American League shaking out this year? Well, I have the same winners as Ken for the uh, divisions. I have the Yankees, the Guardians, almost by default. I mean, I think Minnesota, they always seem to be rebuilding. And the White Sox, they lost to Bray, who I understand he wasn't any good last year, but he's been their power guy for years. Uh, Liam Hendricks has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, no timeline for his return. Um, so they got Kendall Graveman as the closer to start. So I don't know where that's going to take them. They have some real good – and they picked up Ben Attende. He's a heck of a player. He played a little bit with the Yankees last year. And, of course, they have Tim Anderson. They have a good team. I just don't think they're going to get over the hump because the beauty of the Guardians – are you guys listening? The yep. beauty of the Guardians – you talk about old-time baseball now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank goodness for Tito Francona. That's all I'll say. But they also picked up Josh Bell. Yep. Josh Bell and Mike Zanino and – Zanino has a tough year. He's a big strikeout guy. He doesn't hit. But in his good years, he's 25-30 homer guy. And that's what they need, as I'm sure you guys know. They were, you know, like next to last in homers, but they were the top half in runs scored. And that's a direct, I think, compliment to the manager, you know, because they hit and run. They can steal a base, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of like the Guardians there, I think, relatively easy. I think the Astros win by default. I do have the Angels making the playoffs under the – 
Um, Mike Trout's trying to get Otani to stay. The only way Otani even thinks about staying is to make the playoffs. But if Rendon is healthy, I probably said this last year, to me, if Rendon is healthy, Trout second, Otani third, Rendon fourth, or whoever, they mix those three. I think that's the best threesome in a row in baseball. I don't know if you can give me a better one. Trout hit 40 homers, Otani hit 34, and who knows what Rendon would hit if he's healthy. And don't forget, they picked up Brandon Drury, 28 homers last year for Cincinnati. They picked up Hunter Renfro, 29 homers from Milwaukee. Uh, you look at them and they say, well, they're pitching. I always complain about their pitching. My problem with Texas for Ken is they just still don't have the pitching to me. But wow. this year, besides Otani, they picked up Tyler Anderson, 15-5 and five last year with a 2.57 record. Um, you know, Estevez is supposedly going to be a good closer. We'll see. But I got the Angels making the wild card, and then I took the Blue Jays and the Rays, of course, because I still think the uh, – uh, the AL East is going to be the toughest division. And I did see a whole thing on um, an analysis on because of the way they're doing the games this year, there are not going to be as many games within your division. So the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Rays will have some easier games outside their division that they wouldn't have to play each other inside their division. And I think their records will all get better. Yep. Balanced schedule and, this year. And for Ken, I've got, for Ken, I've got the Yankees coming out. Um I don't know if they, I guess mathematically they could wind up playing the Rays in the finals, but I think the Yankees and the Rays are going to wind up being the two best teams. So I'm not far off from you, Rick, but I think this is the year for the Yankees, although, of course, they already have their own injury problems, as everybody seems to have in the 2020s and 2010s. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, yeah, the, the, the balanced schedule is going to be a component of that this year. Uh, yes. that, that is another one of the rules changes that's going to play in as well. Uh, looking at the National League, uh, over there, again, uh, the East is uh, the very best. I have uh, Atlanta in the top position in the East. I have uh, the Mets and the Phillies uh, as wild cards. The Phillies kind of limping in because, again, this Hoskins thing is going to make it harder. They're going to have Harper out a good chunk of the year, but I do think Philly uh, can at least limp into that last spot, and we saw what happened last year when they did. I've got St. Yep. Louis again in the Central, sort of by default, because much like the American League Central, is not a good division. And uh, in the West, duh, the Dodgers uh, in there. By the way, speaking of L.A. teams, the Angels, I mean, they put the Lakers and the Rams to shame with their commitment to Stars and Scrubs. I mean, that is just, you know, the, the Angels are all in on that. L.A.'s a real Stars and Scrubs town. I don't know what it is about these franchises in different sports. The Dodgers, it's just Stars and Stars. Uh, but uh, I think San Diego is going to be there in the uh, playoffs as well as a wild card. And I have Arizona stepping up to be a wild card oh. team this year as well. They are a team that is on the upswing. And, uh, you know, maybe we could pencil in a D-backs Orioles World Series for the latter half of the decade here. Both of those teams are on the uh, come up. But uh, I have in the uh, National League Championship Series uh, the Hardy Perennials, the Braves, and the Dodgers. I'll start with you this time, Steve. Thoughts on the National League in 2023? Yeah, I've got the Braves winning and the Cardinals winning. I'm going to pick the surprise of the year, the Padres, to beat the Dodgers this year. But I want to go back to the Braves for a minute because... It was amazing to me how good they were last year. And I don't know if this ever happens. Maybe you guys will know. But Michael Harris comes up early on, plays out of his mind. He's the rookie of the year. And Spencer Strider comes up. He's 11-5 and five with a 2.67 ERA. He's second for rookie of the year. And that's just both of them having one year as borderline stars. Uh, Acuna missed uh, 43 games. 
Ozuna had a terrible year for him. He hit 23 homers, but he hit 226. And you still got big boppers like Matt Olson, 34 homers, Austin Riley, 38 homers. Of course, the big loss who finally came of age, I thought, last year was Dansby Swanson. Um, he's gone, and they're going to start a veteran, Orlando Arcia. At short, people thought it was going to be this guy, Vaughn Grissom, who came up and played pretty well. And also, Ozzie Albies, you know, he, he only played 64 games last year. He's yep. gone. So, I mean, he's back. So they, they're plugging in like three or four guys who hardly played, all of whom are really good. That's why I give them the edge. The Mets, of course, we already talked about Diaz. Um I will make it my business to go out and watch Scherzer and Verlander pitch in person because those are the kind of guys you'll pay money to go see pitch in person. But as you know, Scherzer's 38. He was on the IL twice last year. Verlander's 40. God bless him. He won the Cy Young last year. What can you say? I like their pitching staff because um, Carrasco was 15 and 7, just under 4 ERA, a lot of run support. Senga's supposed to be good. He was, you know, he's coming from Japan. We'll have to see. Uh, Jose Quintana's out for a long time. That's a big loss also. And much as I like David Robertson and think he's still a good pitcher, he would have been much better off as the eighth inning guy. I picked the Mets and Phillies to make the playoffs. Uh, the Phillies kind of because of what you talked about, but they do have their losses. But they also picked up Taiwan Walker from uh, from the Mets, 12-5 and five last yep. year with a 3.49 ERA. If he's on, he can pitch. So they go Nola, Wheeler. I happen to think Wheeler's better than Nola, um, former Met Wheeler. And Walker, that's a pretty good three. You know, they got like four guys. I think they might go yep. closer by committee, but yep. this Sir Anthony Dominguez can pitch. And Trey finally, Turner. They had a Trey Turner. Yeah, no, that's true. But... Um, so I got Braves, Cardinals, Padres. I got the Mets, Phillies, and the Dodgers, of course, because you're right. The Dodgers are still loaded, but they did lose Trey Turner. They did lose Justin Turner. Uh, they didn't even tender Cody Bellinger. I understand he's up and down, and they say goodbye to Trevor Bauer, which they kind of had to. And, um, you know, Gavin Lux already has knee surgery, so he's going to be out for a while. And the name of their closer is Evan Phillips. Maybe you guys know him. He was really good last year, but I don't mm-hmm. know if you're going to put him in a real big spot. And a lot of people think it depends on what Noah Syndergaard can do because they're after Kershaw and Urias. Yep. You know, it's a little shaky with the starters. And I watched Syndergaard pitch a few times. I know Syndergaard kept saying DeGrom should get paid, and then DeGrom kept saying Syndergaard should get paid. And, of course, DeGrom got paid and got hurt all the time. Right. Um and Syndergaard was kind of the same way. I watched him pitch a couple times. He didn't get close to what he used to throw velocity-wise. And I think that's going to make him what he was last year, 10-10, and 10, kind of a 500 pitcher. But maybe, again, they just need guys to, you know, fill innings. Yep. Um, but, yep. you know, the Padres picked up Bogarts at short. Now Machado's at third. Tatis Jr. is coming in after 80-game suspension. He's going to play right field, according, according to um, Bob Melvin. And, you know, I think they got a bomb lineup. And then you go Darvish, Musgrove, and Blake Snell, if he becomes Blake Snell again. Michael Walker's their fourth starter. He was 11-2 and last year. I think they have enough to get there this year. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. I think so. Uh, Kenny D., thoughts on the National League? How do you see it shaking out? Yeah, I, well, I like the Braves Mm -hmm. in the East because they just keep turning over player after player. It's amazing. Pitching, and they are so deep. I'm looking... I'm going to our fantasy league, not to tip anything off to you, but But I look at the Braves and I just say, I've got got to put a bid on this guy or this guy. And like you said, Strider comes up, you know, I mean, guys, they just keep coming back like they crawled in a garden or something. So, and then, so I've got the Braves in the East, Mm -hmm. another team that keeps 
regenerating itself, at least recently, um, are the Cardinals. I've got them in the Central because they've got a bunch of young kids, and I start reading about these kids, and I start watching them on the MLB Network or whatever, and it's just like, man, man, they're deep, too. They are. How did this happen? And I'm just, it's a head-scratcher. Um, so I've got them and I've got the Cardinals in the central and then for whatever reason, I'm going with the Dodgers in the West because I don't know if the Padres, they keep adding players, they keep spending money, uh, similar to the bets. Um, and it's just, they can't, I don't know if they're snake bit or if they don't think they can beat these guys, but they didn't, they weren't even close there last year right and, and i and i know the dodgers lost some guys so um and lux and all this other stuff but they they were non-existent in the uh winter meetings or any of that stuff or trades um and then for the wild card teams i got the uh, um, the metropolitans as a wild card team the padres and the phillies okay and then the and then the nlcs i've got and this is kind of, yeah, I'd like to see this happen more than anything. I'd like to see the Metropolitans play in the Braves. Um, that would be fun. That would be fun, yeah. The uh, the, the John Rocker Memorial uh, National League Championship <laughs> Series, <laughs> if that comes about. And, uh, yeah, the, the Dodgers did have a huge lead over the Padres last year in the regular season. Huge, which is, I think, what made it all the more shocking when San Diego finally got over on them in October. So, uh, yeah, that rivalry is going to keep going here. All right, our final picks here for the show. For me, as I said, American League Championship Series, Houston and Tampa Bay. Houston over Tampa Bay in six. National League Championship Series, Atlanta over the L.A. Dodgers in six. And in the ATL, they'll be partying like it's 2021 because it's going to be Atlanta over Houston again in the World Series, this time in seven games. Ken Detweiler, your pick. I'm taking that. As much as this pains me, and you know, this is like Joe Linway's dream. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take the Yankees against the Braves, and I'm going to take the Yankees in seven. Okay. Yikes. Well, and I'm so and I'm so going to hell. I'm sure because of being a Cleveland fan. Well, I'm always taking taking the whatever milk's left over from the cow. Um, being a Cleveland fan all these years, but the Yankees. Well, I think they're going to do it this year. You just took my joke in a real direction there. They'll be partying in the Bronx like it's 1999 or 1996, as it were, uh, if that uh, comes about. So, uh, Steve Callis, good news for you if it happens, but how do you see the World Series shaking out? Well, I'm happy nobody took the Astros to win it all because it made me sick last year. And I had to be an interview with Hinch this year, managing the Tigers now. And underneath his name, they put a World Series champion in 2017. I think they should have avoided that championship. But whatever. Uh, Much as I'd like to go with Ken Detweiler, I'm not. I'm going Yankees over the Rays, Padres over the Braves, both in six games. And then I have the Padres beating the Yankees in six games. How about that? Avenging 1998. You guys have both got a late yes. 1990s flavor on this, yes. but uh, win one for Tony Gwynn. Avenge Tony Gwynn. Well, yes. you know, we can appreciate yes. that. He's one of my all-time favorite players and one of my mother's all-time favorite players as well. So, uh, yes, win one for Tony Gwynn uh, would definitely have some resonance to a lot of us. 
But, uh, yeah. you know, uh-huh. it, this, uh, as, as we said at the outset here, uh, talking baseball with your great friends, uh, friends like Don Coster, uh-huh. and then the other examples that we talked about here as well, Don Coster being emblematic of great people like Dave Adams and, and like your father, Steve Callis, uh, again, it's just it's always a blast to get to talk about these things here with you guys and produce one heck of a uh, 2023 season preview while we're at it. So, uh, Ken Detweiler, Steve Callis, thank you both so much from the bottom of my heart. What a great segment and uh, just great, you know, personal talk about people and the kind of people that baseball brings into your lives. Can't thank you both enough. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for FDH Lounge mini episode 1600.